Thanks for downloading the weekly podcast from Bridge Christian Fellowship. To find out more, head to www.bridgecf.org. Well, I should just say that this is my husband's and my revelation. Um, But Alan had some emergency dramatic dental surgery and he now can't open his mouth. So um, you've got me. All on my own, and it was meant to be a twosome. I will do my best to reflect the bits he'd put down. Now, our home group have been um, going through some teaching by John Arnott about grace versus justice. It's all around the area of forgiveness. And in fact, there are some of us in the group who have watched the DVT many times. Now, you might think that's a strange thing for a group of fairly mature Christians to need or desire to do. Surely, by now, we've got this forgiveness thing sorted. Why, yes, we have, in a way. But we all need reminders of what we have forgotten to forgive along the way. Because unless we're the only people, stuff happens. This world is full of stuff. We, We are full of stuff as well. And that messes up not only our thinking, but how we behave towards one another. And then Barry brought the teaching last Sunday about unlocking. And Naomi followed it up with when the Israelites were in the wilderness, they did not respond towards God. They got bitter and critical. And Alan and I were praying (coughs) and we felt that one of the keys that is for individuals as well as for the church as a whole is what Carol Arnott calls bitter root judgments. And I'll explain about that when I've whipped through the justice bit that I wanted to talk about. Grace versus justice. Ephesians 2, is this alright? Can you hear me alright? It's making an awful noise here. Ephesians 2 8 says, For it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God. Now you're going to have to pretend I look like John Arnold. <laughs> Come on, I know you can do it. DVD, John Arnott comes up into the grace level. My Alan would be much better, wouldn't he, standing here doing this. It takes a father's heart, but you'll get the idea. We've been moved up into God's place of grace through Jesus. So we're not fenced in by the law. We are free. 
because of Jesus. It's a place where all that God has is available to us. All the blessing and the love and the mercy and the fruit, all the power and authority from heaven that's ours. We love living up here. We sing about living up here. We, we desire to live in God's grace. And we enjoy and are so thankful for the forgiveness made possible by Jesus for all the things we mess up and all our wonderful thinking and attitudes. And we love living up here. You're meant to be pretending I look like John Arnold. I know it's hard. (laughs) We love living in that place of grace. And isn't it often the way that we're so thankful and quick to receive God's forgiveness and yet we seek justice (laughs) for people we think have done things wrong to us? We're we're very quick to seek forgiveness for what we've done wrong and we can even minimise what we think we've done wrong to other people. And then we end up being slow to forgive that hurt, what they did to us. Now, you can't have grace and you can't have justice at the same time. You can't have mercy for me well, not mercy for me. Can't have only mercy for me and justice for all of you. Because, gosh, can't we all be annoying at times? Yeah? The moment we demand justice for others, we come off that place of grace and we come into the justice level. And who dwells there? The enemy who is legally able to torment and even torture us. Surely not. Oh yes. You remember the parable of the unmerciful servant who had an enormous debt cancelled by his master and then immediately went out and demanded the repayment of quite a small debt from another servant. And Matthew 18 Verse 32 to 5 says this is what happened next. The master called the servant in. You wicked servant. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on our fellow servant? The master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. Now this next bit's the sobering bit. Jesus says... This is how my heavenly Father would treat each of you unless you forgive a brother or sister from your heart. So when we get to the justice level, we're in a place where we can be tormented and hassled, where trouble is caused. We've got a choice. We can hold on to our unforgiveness and our need for justice and live down in the justice level and wonder why we're not flourishing and enjoying God's favour and blessing. 
or we can choose to forgive fully from our hearts and release people from our unforgiveness. That's actually quite powerful. It's not just our forgive, it's releasing someone from our unforgiveness and praying blessing on them. That's where we stay in a place of grace. From here, we can see how big God is, how perfect his judgment is, And it's here we can trust him to restore that which has been robbed from us. It's here that God fights for us and lavishes us and protects us and honours us. We've all heard this teaching many times. But I just want to bring that bit before I go on to the bitter root judgment because, as I say, Alan and I really felt it was a key that as individuals and as a church... We haven't quite grasped the fullness of at this moment in time. We may have grasped it, but the enemy has got in and we've forgotten some of the things we need to forgive. Now, some of you might say, yeah, it's all very hard to believe that God's going to do something wonderful and I can trust him with the justice and the judgment. But that particular person did something and they don't deserve to be forgiven. They shouldn't get away with it. No, they shouldn't. And no, they won't. But the moment we give up our need for justice, we start to live in the place of grace where the enemy can't touch us, And the enemy is constantly seeking to draw us back to the level of justice so that we're not in the grace level and we can't trust God to win back for us everything the enemy has tried to take from us. It's in the mercy and justice levels that we decide which we want, which is enough. For me, I want to say mercy is enough for me. Okay? You have to let the need for justice go in order to live in the presence of God. Now, you might remember I mentioned at the beginning about bitter root judgments. This is a term that um, some of us, on my second trip to Toronto, we saw Carol Arnott do some teaching on. I have to say, we've tracked, Donna and I have tracked the world by internet, and we cannot find a copy of this teaching. But my husband took notes, bless him, in Toronto. Intermoot judgments take the whole area of forgiveness and justice and mercy to a deeper level. I'm not talking about the kind of judging scripture says we are to employ as we walk with God and one another, about regarding 
sins that cannot be ignored, such as immorality, that we have to address. I'm not talking about that kind of judging. Neither am I talking about using discernment and wisdom to test the spirit behind what's being said or ministered. It's good and right to do those things. In fact, Scripture tells us to, um, in 1 John 4, 1. I won't read it, it'll take too long. I'm talking about judging people. And don't we all do it? We do. We do. We do. In a bitter root judgment, is more than just making a passing comment about someone. Scripture says a bitter root causes trouble. It defiles many and shows no grace or mercy. Hebrews 12, 15 says, See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. And we haven't got it up here, but in the Amplified it says, See that no one fails to secure God's grace, his unmerited favour and spiritual blessing. Isn't that what we want? And that no root of resentment, bitterness or hatred shoots forth and causes trouble and bitter torment, and that the many become contaminated and defiled by it. In other words, when we don't deal with it, it pollutes us, and it pollutes those around us. It is damaging, and it is sin, and they bitter roots, judgments, control our lives. I'll explain how in a minute. Unless they're dealt with, they can remain active, even though you may have forgiven the person who did the thing that ticked you off in the first place. (coughs) So how do they get there if we've forgiven someone? They come in from distorted thinking, shaped by events or circumstances that caused us discomfort or pain. They also come in, as well as by experience, by upbringing, the things we've been taught, family mindsets that we were too young to disagree with. Either way, there are ungodly vows and judgments that are shaped and distorted by a belief system that we don't even realise is causing harm and isn't in line with God's perspective and thinking. Sometimes we unconsciously or consciously make vows when we're hurt in order to protect ourselves from that ever happening again. And instead of keeping us safe, those belief systems start to leak out and they leak out into harmful thoughts and behaviour towards certain types of people or certain situations in the here and now, totally unrelated to the person who caused us harm way back when. They distort relationships, they cause trouble. I'll give you some examples to illustrate 
how they operate and how they defile not only us but people around us. There could be a bit of root judgment operating if there are people in the here and now who've hurt you and you've forgiven them and you might have even prayed blessing on them. You've done everything you could think to do. But you know, or if you don't know, everybody else around you knows that you still have issues with that person. Or whenever that person is praised in any way, you begrudge that they're being praised. Or no matter what you or they say or do, you know you react when you're with them. It's almost as if, even though you've forgiven them, nothing they say or do can be right. Mm -hmm. Whichever way they say, it's going to be wrong in your thinking. So I would suggest that might indicate that their perceived hurt of you is similar to something that happened way back when. And that that's a hook on which this current relationship is being contaminated. How about this one? When every time you talk to a particular person, you might feel totally misunderstood, almost like you wish you hadn't said anything. In fact, you end up not bothering to communicate with them anymore. You know, that really causes trouble in church. If you just don't, you know, you just give up bothering to share who you are and and listen to who they are. There could be a bitter root judgment that's come in when somebody in your past didn't hear you or they ignored you or they didn't consider your thoughts to be valid. This is quite often a parent or a teacher. (coughs) usually a significant person in your past. That could be the hook on which you are not sinning because of a sin done to you. How about you have difficulty responding to people who have to make decisions? Particularly if that person is of one particular gender. And it can be at work, at home, and in church. Was there someone way back when who shamed you? Or made bad decisions for you? Or held you back in some way? Did you unconsciously make a decision that all female, or all male, bosses, or leaders are not going to be good for you? No matter how good Alan and Donna might be to you, they're never going to win that one. Mm-hmm. Unless you get rid of that bitter of judgment. I'll give you one more example. How about the people you take an instant dislike to for no apparent reason? Oh, I'm not the only one who does this. Please tell me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just. <laughs> I've got this huge. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's 
I'm not talking about people who are walking in willful sin or who obviously are covered in some sort of occult activity and your spirit, your wisdom and your discernment tells you keep the barrier up there. This person will need help before I'm going to let them too close to me. I'm talking about that instant dislike of somebody who might seem perfectly pleasant Do they remind you of someone who made life really tricky for you for whatever reason? Um, I was uh, in a counselling situation. I was counselling somebody some years ago. I only got as far as taking half their uh, history, case history. And she stood up and said, You're just like my mother! And she stormed out. And, um, well... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, with a, a lot of support from the counselling team, we got to the bottom of, I was a spitting image to look at of her mother. Oh. Nothing I said or did, I just had the wrong face. Well, <laughs> it's the face God gave me and I'm stuck with it. <laughs> that can actually manifest itself also in not liking being with um, a same gender group. Um, I'm not talking about where actually just being in a men's group if you're a man or being in a woman's group if you're a woman isn't your cup of tea. You'd prefer mixed company. I'm talking about when you recoil from being amongst such groups. What was it about that particular gender that caused you trouble? And uh, when I was first hearing this teaching, as I said, it was the second time we went to Toronto, and um, Carol Arnott invited those of us um, who were listening, it's good, wasn't it, um, to give God permission to show us if we had any bitter judgments in our hearts. And so I prayed, and God showed me my group of great arms. I mean, just the term great arms conjures up this (laughs) scenario. They were not a group to be messed with. And when they gathered, it was normally trouble for my mother. And indirectly, it was trouble for me. And God showed me that my utter, utter hatred of being in women's conferences and women's gathering. I just couldn't bear being amongst a group of women was to do with, I might be in a small group, but you know, on en masse, a load of women, I'm gone. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I gave God permission to start to do something. I gave God permission to do something with that literary judgment. Straight from that conference, my husband and I got on a plane to Prince Edward Island where we were ministering. And I saw on the schedule this thing that said Carol having coffee with the women of Summerside one evening. Now, Summerside was actually like driving from here to Basingstoke, you know, right down the other end of the island. And I thought, it's a long way to go for a cup of 
okay. So I get bundled into this car, haven't got Alan with me, who I normally rely on in all circumstances to get me out of any mess, and he's very good at it. They wouldn't let him in. I go, and I thought, why are they taking me to their church building? I'm just having a cup of coffee with a few women. Well, I was a bit slow on the uptake. I walked through the door, and there's lines of chairs, and there's a microphone here. And I said, oh, who's coming to speak? (laughs) There were more than 50 women thinking I was the best thing that happened that Friday night. And I thought, all right then, God, this is going to be a test of how far this bitter root judgment has been unpicked from my life. And I just started to share a few stories about what God, because I had nothing prepared, I just started to share a few stories of what God had done while we were in Toronto. And um, we had the privilege of having our daughter with us and, and just seeing her loving God and worshipping God was just a delight. So I had plenty to talk about. And then they wanted me to pray for them. They were women! And they wanted me to pray for them. And there were more than 50 of them. And you know we had such a wonderful time. And God just confirmed how powerful that thing had been and how quick it was to go. And I've actually had to do quite a lot of women's work since I think God's got a really quirky sense of humour. And more times than not, when I'm asked to speak now, it's just women. Anyway, I could go on about these bitter rooms. I could give you loads of examples, but you do get the drift. It's about having an issue or reacting in a way that's not in line with God's thinking about certain people. I'm not saying that what might have been done or said towards us wasn't wrong. What I am saying is, our judgment isn't perfect and true. It's distorted by our own mindsets or beliefs, by our experiences and hurts, and it shows a need for justice and having our own needs met rather than showing mercy, even though we want mercy shown to us. Isn't it funny, when you've, had a, when you've had a right old ding-dong with someone, you want them to come and say sorry to you, and completely ignore that while what you said may have been true, by golly, the way you said it was really, really not in line with God. And we ignore that bit. We, we minimise what we've done wrong. You get my drift. When we hold on to our bitter root judgments, what we're really saying is we don't trust God's perfect judgment. God is the only one able to save. So who are we? I mean, really, it's laughable, isn't it? James 4.12 says, There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy but you who are you to judge your neighbour it's really powerful stuff you know because if we don't show mercy mercy will not be shown to us 
James 2.13 says, Judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who's not merciful because mercy triumphs over judgment. <coughs> mercy. All right, I may not be drawn on not, but get with it. <laughs> mercy. It's in mercy that we see the goodness of God and we have his favour and his blessing and there is fruit. Down here, we are hassled, we are troubled and we cause trouble. Galatians 6, 7 says, Do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked. People reap what they sow. Now, if you think about it, what you sow increases. And it increases. And it increases. And this is why Alan and I felt that it was a key. Because what is wonderful and good, increasing, is wonderful and good. But if it's bitter and it's distorted, and it increases and increases, it's leaking out and it's harming us. And I'm speaking to Bridge. Amen. The visitors are so welcome, but this is also a word specifically for Bridge. Amen. Now you might say that reaping and sowing is a law that's been cut off by the cross. Oh, thank God it has. <laughs> but only if we remove sin from our lives through repentance and we tear up our unforgiveness, our IOUs as it were, and take our freedom. I won't read it, but, but look up when you're home. Romans 2, 1-4 talks of us actually showing contempt for the riches of God's kindness and grace to us when we hold others in judgment. And so we want the presence of God and then we're showing contempt. And we all do this, but I'm talking about this is on a really deeper level, these bitter root judgments. Well, what on earth are we going to do about that then? A few pointers. It's actually quite simple. Firstly, give God permission to show us where there are any bitter root judgments. And then repent of them. Repent of our sin for having them, not the sin that was done to us, okay? This is about us. Then, forgive the people involved who hurt us and give them a gift of forgiveness. Um, we talk about praying blessing on them. It's a really good way to make sure you've got there. When we forgive, love and honour, and we release people from our judgement, they're released. And I think that's the key that's been missing sometimes. We do the forgiving, we do the repenting, we pray blessing, but we haven't released them from our judgment. Do you get what I'm trying to say? And then, don't forget to forgive yourself for your unforgiveness. Let's not get condemned, let's be forgiven. And then give God permission to change his thoughts to give us his truth and perspective about the people we are, let's face it, having difficulty with. Okay? 
especially true in families, work and church. And then we need to work at it. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, guard your mind. We need to think about what we're thinking about. group always hearing that and I am talking about think about what we're thinking about when you start to hear yourself have those critical condemning thoughts about someone once you've got rid of that bit of it you can recognize where it's coming from and replace them with ones of love and honor and mercy now the way I do that and I'm just offering this as a, as a suggestion. You find your own way, but if this is a shortcut, take it. I say something like, Father, I'm really sorry I thought that. Would you show me how you think of that person? Mm-hmm. And then what I do is I hang on to something he shows me that I can thank God for about that person. I don't necessarily win the battle to the extent that that person might become my best friend. But I'm in line with God in agreeing with him about something I can thank God for. That helped change my mind. In fact, if we're going to encourage one another in this, it's a really good strategy to adopt in conversations. Um, I've been doing it more and more lately. When someone starts to find fault about somebody... Even if what they say might be true, but it's not the whole truth about that person from God's perspective, I just say something that's good about that person. And I don't get all sanctimonious. I drop it, yeah, but you know what I love is, and then I say, and it just, A, it shuts that person up. But it saves them from their own destruction. And maybe it would plant a seed of goodness in that will help get rid of. So let's, let's help one another out here. So I want to invite you to take stock of yourselves because we just don't always remember everything we need to forgive. We, we don't. And it's no good dealing with forgiveness on the outer level and leaving deeper unforgiveness and judgment still at work. They result in even more unforgiveness creeping in and they harm our relationships with one another. And they defile and cause trouble even here in God's family. And it's a strategy of the enemy. As I say, Alan and I felt it was a key because we can see good people being taken down out of the grace level and causing trouble among us. We're seeing it. And we're not the only people who are seeing it, I'm sure. So with your permission, I'd like to take a moment just to pray over us. This isn't something that requires individuals. I I want to just pray over us and we're going to give God permission to show us what's going on. And if you hit something that is wow, a whammy, you know, talk to your hand group, talk to your leadership. You know, we have 
about systems in place where we can be praying and ministering if it's a really big, deep thing. Okay? Holy Spirit, we invite you to have your way amongst us. And we would silence the lies of the enemy that would distract us or close our ears and our eyes and our heart. And we ask, Father, that you would open ears and our eyes and our heart to what you want to do. And we give you permission, Father, to show us where there may be any bitter root judgments that we had no idea were there that are affecting our lives, those of our loved ones, and those around us. And Father, if it's something too painful to reveal to us now, We give you permission to reveal it to us over the next few days in a safe place. And whatever you do reveal to us, we want to agree with you that we were wrong to form that judgment. And we forgive that person and we release them to your perfect judgment. We pray blessing on them in the name of Jesus. We give them a gift of our forgiveness. We choose to walk with you in mercy and have you change our thoughts and our attitudes and our behaviour. That we will see people the way you see them. And Father, just as a church, would you help us to help one another walk this one through? Because we are a church who love your presence. And we are a church who have a vision. And we want to be going for that vision. And we don't want anything in us to mess it up. To cause trouble. So come and have your way. Would you bless us? Would you release us? Would you confirm your word over us of your love and your grace and your mercy? And would you protect each one of us from the enemy snatching anything of what you've said that's of you away in the name of Jesus? Amen.
us next to you and just pray blessing on them. Let's just bless one another. And I pray blessing on this church. We pray blessing on every one of the members of our family, our church family, who are away today. We speak blessing into every household in the name of Jesus. We speak blessing into the dreams and visions and purposes that Father has ordained for this church in the name of Jesus. And on the dreams we haven't yet dreamt, we speak blessing. we choose to surrender our need for justice and we choose to walk in mercy. Mercy and grace in the name of Jesus. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the Bridge Christian Fellowship podcast. Visit us at www.bridgecf.org.